Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Black College Sports and Education Foundation weekly podcast. My name is Jayla Thornton, your host, and this program is where we impact students, athletes, their families, and supporters with vital tools and information that will impact their decisions on educational opportunities and careers. Our guest today is Ricky Clemens, who serves as a lecturer in the Health, Human Performance, and Leisure Studies Department at Howard University. And this week, Professor Ricky Clemens will discuss his journey to the sports and media world, as well as what it takes. So I'm so glad to have you here, Professor Clemens. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Jayla. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. So the audience would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm not sure how much time you have, but I'll try to do a condensed version. My, I'm a, a home from Durham, North Carolina, where I started uh, sports, you know, playing sports like everyone else in the street and with my friends in the backyard. But once I got to junior high school and, and high school, I became the uh, manager for the sports teams uh, just as a something to do. And that turned out mm-hmm. to be my introduction to the behind-the-scenes of sports as opposed to being on the field uh, on, for sports. I had a very good mentor, uh, Coach Russell Blunt at Hillside High School, who I was his right-hand man for all the track and football teams. And uh, once I got to college, I, uh, my interest in sports peaked by becoming a sports writer and a sports journalist at University of Maryland. I was the sports editor of the campus newspaper, uh, traveled with the uh, team, on doing the ACC uh, back and forth. And so then when I uh, got uh, out of college at University of Maryland, I, I wanted to be a sports writer, uh, but I ended up uh, joining the Howard University uh, PR team as the assistant sports information director. And later I became mm-hmm. the director at Howard University and uh, went there to the Olympics. The Olympics led me to pro sports, and, uh, and now I, I got my graduate degree, and now I'm teaching at Howard. That's probably the most brief bio I've probably ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I attend Howard University, of course you know, so I loved having you as a professor and hearing all of your great stories pertaining to the sports world. So I would love to ask you, how is your HBCU experience as a student as well as a professor? And it does not have to be brief. I would just love to hear your perspective. Well, I must say, I didn't have the HBCU experience as a student because I actually went to University of Maryland College Park, but I was raised uh, on uh, Central's campus, North Carolina Central University. My, mm-hmm. um, uh, we live, like, next to campus. I mean, my, my backyard was the, the campus. My grandfather worked on campus. My friend's uh, mother worked on campus. I actually lived on campus. That was our playground. So I did kind of experience the HBCU experience growing up because I, I grew up in a college town of Durham, North Carolina. But as a professor, uh, I knew that the experience and the knowledge that I had acquired through the many experiences I've had at Major League Baseball, at the Olympics, uh, certainly um, uh, ESPN, I worked for them for a little while, uh, I wanted to share uh, in the black college experience. So right now, I must say I'm living my dream because uh, I, I remember talking to some friends of mine uh, back when I was working at Miller Brewing Company in Milwaukee at our morning breakfasts when we would all get together and talk about our dreams. And I said then, this was back in the, in, in the early 80s, I said, hey, man, one day I want to teach at Howard 
So I know you began your career at Howard University as an assistant sports information director before being named director and later, and later as the associate athletic director for marketing and promotions. So I would love to hear about your journey throughout the shift of positions um, in the Howard department. I was so fortunate, Jayla, uh, to come to Howard at a time where uh, things were really happening. I mean, uh, Title IX was the direct reason why I was hired at, at Howard University. Uh, at the time, Title IX took effect, and it, it demanded that uh, we have equal women's sports as men's sports. And Howard, you know, certainly being a great, you know, diversity leader, decided that they needed a PR person for the women's teams, just like they had the PR director really for the men's team. And that's why I was hired at Howard to be the assistant sports information director. And my goal initially was handling women's athletics. And let me tell you, as you well know, as being a bicyclist yourself, our women's athletic teams are super. And uh, they just took <laughs> off. Uh, the women's basketball team uh, went to the NCAA championships. We were one of the first teams to do that back in 82. Uh, our women's track team had all kinds of All-Americans involved with them. Uh, so it was really a thrill uh, to work with the women's athletic program. Uh, later on, I uh, became the director. Uh, once I uh, uh, once my director left, I became director. I actually hired, brought in Mr. Ed Hill, and then I actually took a chance on myself. And I tell people to do that all the time: believe in yourself and take a chance on yourself. And I just said, you know, I want to expand my horizon here. Uh, I had did an interview with. James Brown, who's now a big-time uh, uh, sports commentator with CBS, and uh, when he was at BT, and I said, you know, what I would like to do one day, JB, is, is work in professional sports. I just said that. I just, just threw it out there during this interview. And uh, in order to do that, I, I had to make some steps in order to get there, and I, I figured one of the steps I had to make was to volunteer at a major sports event. So I mm -hmm. started to ask around how I could get to the Olympic Games or get to the, uh, to the uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic trials or anything that I could work. And Coach Motry, who was the track coach at, at Howard, was uh, one of the USOC track officials. So I knew he had a, a connection to a larger event like USOC. So I said, Coach, how can I get involved with USOC? And Coach got me in contact with the head guy uh, who was the PR director for the USOC, a young man named Mike Moran. I wrote Mike a letter. This is no emails in those days. You have to write a basic letter. I wrote a letter to Mike <laughs> uh, requesting if I could come out and volunteer for the National Sports Festival Games in 1983. And yep. as receiving my letter, Mike said, you know, he wrote me back. I still have a copy of the letter today. He said, if you're crazy enough to come out here and volunteer, come on out. So that was the opportunity that I took. I was the very first um, uh, HBCU SID to ever work for the USOC. I went out to the Colorado Springs and volunteered for two weeks working the, what they call then the National Sports Festival Games. And that was a, a, a group of games in which the North versus the South, East versus the West, in an Olympic model to get ready for the Olympic Games. So I went out there and worked several sports and showed all those other SIDs from those major uh, white colleges that, hey, we keep our stats the same way at Howard. I have a media guy the same way you guys. I talk to the media the same way you guys. 
and they realized that, hey, this guy is on par, I guess. So that was uh, 80, 82, 80, that was 83. And next was coming up the Olympic Games. And so mm-hmm. I figured, you know, that's my next step there. So I used that connection from the sports festival games to make a connection at the U.S. Uh, at the Olympic Games in L.A. And this is where Howard comes in, Jayla, and this is so in, in, important because Howard uh, has offered me so many opportunities to travel. And one of these mm-hmm. travel trips that we took was to Hawaii. We played the University of Hawaii, and coming back we played uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if we played UCLA or we played a team in L.A., and we were in L.A. And so I took that opportunity to go over to the Olympic office and ask for a volunteer position for the upcoming Olympics. A little to my uh, knowledge, they were not only offering me a volunteer position, they came back later on and offered me a full-time position to move out there and become a full-time employee which is another dream come true. And so I took a leave of absence from Howard. Uh, Mr. Hill took over for me at Howard, and I went out to L.A. and spent a year out there working the Olympic Games, also being a barrier breaker, uh, being the only African-American from working in press operations and certainly only one from HBCU, and kind of made that connection. So that was really incredible. And I, after I finished that, I came back to Howard. Uh, but I, my head was blown because I had seen sports in a big way. And then, you know, I love Howard University. I love Howard University sports. Well, we, know, we all know Howard University is not big-time sports. And I had been to a big-time sports. There's nothing bigger than the Olympics. And I just knew that I just had to do some bigger things after that. So believe it or not, from that connection, someone called me from Major League Baseball. A friend of mine had worked with me at the Olympic Games, had gone to Major League Baseball, Al Campanis made this statement that blacks didn't have necessities to work in the front office. They, were, they had pressure to hire some, a black person. And so they said, where's that one black person that we worked with during the Olympic Games? <laughs> where's that one black person that was at the sports festival games? Where's that Ricky Clemens guy? <laughs> and you know where I was. I was at Howard doing my thing. They called me at Howard University. It was no cell phones. It was all through uh, telephone connections. And finally got my number and called me and said, hey, what are you doing? I was like, you know what I'm doing? I'm here working at Howard University. And they said, well, we need you to come to New York and work for Major League Baseball. I'm like, what? Yes. And, uh, and we'll need you to come up here and, and uh, work. And so I had to move. I moved from D.C. up to uh, move my family up to New York. Well, I know you talked a lot about, of course, even in our classes, you always discuss about, like you said, taking a chance on yourself. So, of course, you mm-hmm. took that chance on yourself. But – I would love to hear how much preparation did it take for you to achieve that milestone and be ready for that moment? Well, you know, that's the thing. You have to be prepared uh, because uh, preparedness, you know, meets opportunity. So once that opportunity hits, then you must be prepared. And I think the, the thing that, that, uh, that prepared me, I guess, for more than uh, just my professional life was actually building up my, I would say, my uh, personal brand. Uh, I would say my salesmanship ability, uh, my ability to, uh, to, you know, put confidence in myself. And I, I think that came from uh, being a door-to-door book salesman. Uh, I worked for the Southwestern Book Company as a student. I was a door-to-door book salesman selling books in 
San Francisco and also in Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we were uh, brainwashed, for lack of a better word, on how to be a great salesman. Uh, they just sent us out there uh, on, in the field with, with really just the resources of our brains uh, and the sales kit. Uh, you know, we have a place to stay. We didn't know how we were going to make a living besides selling those books. And believe it or not, for two summers, I went out there and accomplished that, was very successful, and also took a team of students back with me uh, my second year, and all of those students were very successful. And, and after you get that type of salesmanship experience, that type of confidence, nothing's impossible. And then once you're able to tell people about that experience, then they want to hire you. <laughs> I've not had a problem getting a job uh, since I came off the book field because salesmanship is everything. And I actually teach that, as you know, in our class, I brought up, bring out my salesmanship uh, um, uh, medal or award that I won that talks about all the different uh, qualities of a salesman. Um, so I try to, you know, keep into that. And so that has really helped me to, um, uh, to move on in my career. Now I'm, I'm coming on the downside now. <laughs> I'm almost ready to retire. But I can tell you, if it wasn't for that, and, and, you know, what's, what's really amazing about that is that before I actually took my salesmanship to another level, I think I always had it because I always was a salesman, I always was doing stuff, chores, always doing entrepreneurial selling, doing businesses. But the book field really gave me that master's, that doctorate in the School of Hard Knocks. And the Washington Post was right down the street from University of Maryland for four years, for all the time I was at University of Maryland. And I never even thought about making that call to say, hey, I want to work with the Washington Post as a sports writer. But once I got that experience as a salesman, I made a call from Modesto, California, on a payphone to the Washington Post sports section, was connected by the operator to the sports department, cold called them, was lucky enough to get Mike Hill on the phone and said to Mike Hill, who was a brother at, in the sports department at that time, that, hey, I'm a, a recent graduate from the University of Maryland, former sports editor. Uh, I'm right now in California working on the book field, but I'll be back in September. Are there any positions open in your sports department? You know what the guy said? Yes. See you when you get back. Now, <laughs> That's great. for four years, I was at the University of Maryland. I never made that call. But I'm making this call from Modesto, California, because of the, the confidence I had built up through salesmanship. So I went to the Washington Post when I got back. That's where I met Ed Hill. That's where Ed and I met. And uh, the rest is history. It's so funny that you mentioned that story because from being in your class, believe it or not, that was one of my favorite stories to the point that I even um, mentioned it to my parents because my dad does real estate. But, yes, I, I feel like that story was great, and it was really helpful. But if you are just tuning in, you're listening to the Black College Sports and Education Foundation weekly podcast, and our guest is Professor Ricky Clemens who has had an amazing career in the sports media world and currently serves as a professor at Howard University. So speaking of all of this, you have such great insight on everything pertaining to this field. So how can students prepare for a sports career, whether business or media side of sports? Well, you know, my thing is do your homework. 
I mean, I just mm-hmm. had a conversation with a young man just this week, and I almost started to hang up on him because I, I, he's, he's supposed to be in the sports, <laughs> but he didn't know any sports. And, you know, you know that's my pet peeve in my class. I hate that. I mean, if you're going to yeah. be in the sports, you got to know sports. I mean, you know, I mean, really know it. So what I'm saying is don't be a fan. I mean, I don't consider myself a fan. I've made a living supporting my family, putting my kids through college, through sports. So basically, it's, to me, it's more than just reading the newspaper and, you know, checking out the scores. So, and that's what I expect from our students. So I would say do your research, do your homework. If you're really serious about something, show it. Show it. I mean, have some content. I mean, show your content. And uh, I always tell the story about if you come to my office in Park Avenue, and I was on Park Avenue at Major League Baseball, and you want a job on Park Avenue, you better have some work done down on Main Street before you come to Park Avenue. Because the only way you get to Park Avenue is, is, being, is doing the work on your local avenue. Everything starts local. So the, the, the problem I had with the young man that I talked to the other day was he said, oh, well, I want to be in the sport. I said, well, what's, where do you go to school? So he told me where you went to school. I said, well, who's your athletic director? He didn't know. So that was a problem right there. That's an issue. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost ready to hang up on this guy. You do not know who the <laughs> athletic director, director is of your university? So why are we even talking? You know, I shouldn't be talking to me. At the level of sports that I've been, you know, not bragging on myself, but not at the level of sports that I'm at, you should wait till you've got some experience before you talk to me. But I talked to him because mm-hmm. he was a friend of a friend. You know, so he didn't know the athletic director. He didn't know the sports information director. I said, well, let me try one more thing. Uh, what is your goal? Well, you know, I want to be a, um, a play-by-play announcer. I said, well, who's your favorite play-by-play announcer? Couldn't tell me. I'm like, end of conversation. <laughs> Call me back later. <laughs> because... You know, you really can't be serious about sports unless you know sports. And as you know yeah. in my class, I say it all the time, if you sit beside someone in an airplane or on a bus or a train going back home and this conversation comes up and you don't know anything, please don't tell me you were in Professor Clemens class. Do not embarrass me. <laughs> please. <laughs> don't tell me you know me at all. Don't even use my name. So I would say do your homework. You should be reading everything you get your hands on. Do not walk by a newspaper or a magazine. Read everything. I'm talking about everything. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. everything you don't want to read, read that. I read my wife's magazine. I mean, you may find some information in there. So, I mean, read every, everything you can get your hands on, and especially when it pertains to the area that you love. So speaking of HBCUs, um, how, like, what are your views on mainstream media and how they portray HBCUs? Well, you know, Jelly, as you know, I'm a big fan of the black press. I was raised mm-hmm. on the black press. I worked for the Carolina Times newspaper in my hometown of Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I worked for the Afro at one point. Uh, I've done some work with the Afro, I mean, with the Informer uh, and the Afro. Uh, when I was, as a PR person, uh, I made sure that all of my black press was treated, you know, just equally uh, in terms of, of uh, getting that information as majority press. Uh, I still believe that 95% of the information that pertains to us is in the black press. I'm in New York right now, and let me tell you something. Before I leave New York, I will pick up five newspapers. I will pick up the Amsterdam News. I will pick up the, the New York Beacon. Uh, I will pick up the Caribbean News. 
Uh, I would pick up the Daily Challenger. I would get the Daily News. I will get the New York Post. You know, I'll get the New York Times. I'll get the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I'll get all those too. But I'm going to get what's happening in the black press for sure because this is where the information about us is going to be coming out. So uh, when, I, when I ask my students to put together their uh, media list um, in terms of doing their media list, if they don't have black press in their media list, that's not a complete media list as far as I'm concerned. And I press my students on campus in order to know the black press in their hometown. If they don't know the black press in their hometown, they're missing out. I mean, Amsterdam News is an incredible paper here in New York. You know, the uh, Washington former and the Afro-American have been around, you know, hundreds, 100 years. So, yes. Uh, and my mentor, I must, must mention, uh, my mentor, uh, Sam Lacey, uh, the man who really uh, charged me into sports, uh, told me if I didn't take the job at baseball, he would come to my house and personally break my arm. And he was serious. <laughs> so, uh, and he was, he's a Hall of Fame uh, sports writer. Uh, he was editor of the Afro-American until he died, almost 100 years old. Uh, so, yes, uh, I am a, I'm standing on the shoulders of, of my black press legends. So speaking of student-athletes, how do you feel about them profiting from the NIL, which is name, image, and likeness, and how does it affect HBCUs? No, I'm sorry. Run that question back one more time. Again, this guy's distracted. So, um, I apologize. How, oh, no, it's, it's fine. So I know student-athletes are, um, they have the opportunity to profit from their name, image, and likeness. So what is your perspective on that, and how does it affect HBCUs? Well, I, I think it's a good thing. I think that uh, the licensing of your rights uh, and the, uh, the privacy of your rights should be held by the athlete just a little bit along with the university. So I think that there's nothing wrong with sharing some of those licensing rights. Uh, I'm glad that they kind of broke through with that. Uh, but I must say that is really for the major schools that's doing major branding and major licensing deals. Uh, I can't see that affecting our institutions in a major way. And unfortunately, that's probably the, a paradox that should be changed because, yes, if we were marketing ourselves like the Big Ten or like the Pac-10 and be on television every day and we had uh, arenas of 30,000, 40,000 and all this kind of stuff, I can see that coming into play. But that's not how we do business at HBCUs. You know, we're more about education. Even though we do have athletics, we're not going to be going to big-time athletics in that way, even though a lot of people like to see that happen. But we have to stick to our mission. So I, I, I think that the athletes that deserve that, that's making the money for these big-time schools, uh, should get the, what they do. But as far as uh, how we do things in the HBCU space, I don't see a, a, a big impact in that per se. And that could change. Yes, I agree. I feel the same way, especially being an athlete and really being in-house and being able to tell. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. But before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like the audience to know? Well, I, I tell you, uh, I know the students out there uh, are interested in sports. And I want to say that uh, a lot of folks, especially in my classes, uh, sometimes only look at sports 
and and I would say on the player development side. I want to make sure that students understand that sports is also big on the business side. Uh, there's about five pages of of uh, jobs in the administration in a media guide, and not one of those pages has players on it. So there's only going to be 12 players or so many players and so many folks on the 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 baseball operations side or the football operations side or whatever side it takes to procure the, the talent. But on the other side, there are a multitude of jobs, like you just mentioned, in licensing, marketing, PR, community relations, uh, entertainment, uh, ticketing. Uh, I mean, any form of human endeavor can be done in sports. So think about how you can get involved with sports not necessarily always as a player, but on the administrative side, because you can stay a lot longer. Believe me, I'm still in sports today because I'm on the administrative side, where maybe <laughs> if I wasn't on the administrative side, I may have, you know, may have still had a nice career. I may have a big bank account, but I'm still looking for a career because uh, I'm only 30 years old and I still, you know, got a life to live. So on the administrative side, you can work forever. I have friends that are still in sports, been in sports, I mean, before I got there and still there. <laughs> so they're still there, and they were there before I got there. <laughs> and I'm big yeah. gone, you know, years years ago, and they're loving it. And and the great thing about sports is a it's, it's seasonal, and I love that part uh, of of sports where you have a break and you can go back to it and you can give it all during that period of time. Then you have a, a downtime. Then you go back and give it all again. That's how life is done. I mean, I love that part of of sports. It's a special event of it. So uh, get involved in sports. It's a good profession. It's a, it's a clean living. I mean, and get into sports uh, at the at the the base level. Don't try to skip any 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 steps, so that you can tell these stories that I'm telling about how you got started. And then when someone hears that and sees that in your eyes and in your voice, and hey, that's the person I want to be on our team. That's how you get into sports. Well, unfortunately, we are running out of time, but thank you so much, Professor Clements, for joining us today. Your insight was so impactful, especially for a student trying to get into the sports and media like myself. But I enjoy speaking with you like I always do, and I hope you will come back in the future to join us for another episode. Anytime. Let me know. I would love to do it. Thanks a lot for your thank time. You and thanks for having me. Thank you so it. much. No problem. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to join us next week when we will bring you another amazing guest. Meanwhile, let us hear from you. We welcome your comments, suggestions, and all other comments pertaining to the podcast. So please contact us at 770-376-6114 or email us at ed.j.hayes at gmail.com. Be sure to also visit our website at www.bcsportfoundation.com. Thank you so much. Make sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great week.